Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Seven breweries or tap rooms in the Portland area announced their closures over the last month. That's according to the blog New School Beer. Are we in the middle of a pandemic hangover, a burst beer bubble, a craft beer correction, something else? Ezra Johnson Greeno founded the new school, and he joins us now. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. So each of these seven businesses that you profiled recently, they have their own stories. And I think it's worth hearing about some of their unique circumstances um, before we get to the, the big industry-wide questions. So what happened with Pono Brewing? Pono Brewing um, has an interesting model in that they don't actually have their own brewery. They brew on another brewery and then sell their beers themselves. But about a year ago, they finally scraped together enough funds to lease um, a, a deceased brewery and turn it into a full brew pub restaurant and have their own brewing system. Um, unfortunately, it, it didn't work out and the costs associated with getting that space operational again and the slow uh, foot traffic um, made them pull the plug. Hmm. Well, before we get to some of the other specific stories, what are the reasons that a beer maker might want to open an actual brew pub where, where they would you know, have to deal with all of the other aspects of a retail location, including probably serving food as well, as opposed to just making beer and selling it to bars or restaurants or stores? Well, I think there's two main reasons. I mean, number one is there's a higher profit margin on them selling their own beer um, without paying someone to sell deliver, distribute their beer, um, and having less control of how that beer is handled and where it goes and who buys it. Um, and also there's just the face-to-face customer interaction and creating a uh, local space where people can go to and find their beers and have that personal relationship. Hmm. Okay. So that was Pono Brewing. What about Ambacht? Uh, and this is the only one that's not actually in Portland. This was in Hillsboro. Ambacht is one of those breweries that I I consider kind of like one of the old school craft breweries before craft beer became hip. Um, It was two two friends um, who basically started um, a glorified home brewery and a warehouse uh, space, but they did really eccentric beers um, like Belgian styles brewed with honey and uh, uh, Jewish-inspired beers with matzah. Um, and they always kept kind of a low-key presence. But back in the early days of, of like craft beer, 2010, 2011, you would see them around town. You'd see them in grocery stores. But they they were one of those breweries that didn't really like adapt or stay up with, with all the current trends as craft beer became big and much more commercial and trendy. Hmm. What about Sessionable? Sessionable is a beer bar. Um, so it's a tap house. They don't make their own beer, but they're on the busy um, division strip. Um, and they've always been, they've always kind of became a local hangout. They originally 
um, put their hat on the session beer trend, which means beer that's under 5% alcohol that's meant to be able to drink more of. Um, unfortunately, that kind of beer has has never really been all that popular in the United States. Uh, it had its moment um, around 2015, but um, these days people are looking for, for more, and I just didn't think they saw the foot traffic and they just decided it wasn't worth it anymore. And then there is... Um... Washington-based Grains of Wrath, um, which announced that they're closing their uh, Portland location, which is on uh, North Williams Avenue. What reasons did they give? The reasons they gave was that they're refocusing their efforts in Washington to a new brewery um, space that they're making that is based on production so they could sell more kegs and more draft beer. I believe the Portland location wasn't was also not experiencing a huge, um, you know, huge rate of customers coming in. So I think they decided to focus their efforts elsewhere. Hmm. So these are just four very different stories out of the the seven that you wrote about recently, all announcing closures um, within um, a month. What do you see as some of the parallels here? I mean, the biggest one is just that. Sales have slowed uh, because of because of many reasons, but competition is one of them. Just the density of amount of of beer and options, while people are also seeking out other options. So, all these breweries are facing various unique challenges. Um, there's all sorts of challenges in the marketplace, but ultimately, most, if not all of them, could be overcome if sales were where they needed to be. Hmm. When you say competition, where is the competition coming from? Well, let's start with this. How much of it is other craft breweries, other craft beers? I would say it's a lot of it, especially in Oregon. Um, you know, we went from you know only around a thousand breweries to um, pushing ten thousand breweries um, in the the span of uh, you know twelve years um, in the U.S. And Oregon itself has, uh, I believe, 318 breweries um, that we know of. Um, so everyone, everyone's kind of pushing into a crowded marketplace. It seemed like it was only growing, growing, like brewers could do no wrong, um, you know, four or five years ago. Just suddenly the market just stabilizing and flattening out, um, plus competition from outside of beer as well. Hmm. Like where? What is? What do you think about when you say competition outside of beer? Well, I, I think the younger the younger audience is more interested in in beer alternatives. Um, they're also more health conscious, um, and the ones that are still into drinking, um, you know, adult beverages are often looking at the greatest bang for their buck, um, meaning like higher higher alcohol for lower price points, which is it's turned a lot of people into um, the spirits industry where uh, ready to drink so-called ready to drink cocktails, which are basically pre-made canned cocktails can be purchased at very low price point compared to how much you would get it for in a bar. Um, meanwhile, like beers that are in larger formats and higher alcohol are selling more um uh, makers are 
lot of brewers are trying out different kinds of alcoholic beverage from hard seltzer to hard tea, hard kombucha, hard sodas. Um, and then plus there's just that whole movement of people decreasing their alcohol intake in general and going um, non-alcoholic. And there have been improvements in non-alcoholic beers in recent years. 20 years ago, they just there were very few options and they didn't really taste like beer. Now, um, there's a wide variety of NA beers, some of which actually can taste pretty good. Do you think that's actually cut into craft beer sales? Uh, yes. Um, so one thing, making non-alcoholic beer is much more difficult um, and breweries are not necessarily set up well to make non-alcoholic beer and make it well. Um, it, and it's the, the, the profit margin is not as high. It's more of a numbers game. How much can you make? Um, this is, this is a model that we're seeing like huge national breweries compete in. Um, not that many small local breweries. Um, and then you have the, the whole dry January, um, trend phenomenon. Um, and that, has really put a hurt on breweries in the month of January, which is typically their slowest month. Normally, when you see the most closures is around January. So a, a movement that uh, inarguably is is better for societal health, um, it, it's, it actually is hitting this industry. Yeah. And and to be clear, I mean, I, 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 I support, you know, people going um, non-alcoholic beer, but it's also just... Um, it's really difficult for the industry and it's, and it's almost its own science, um, in of itself. Um, and, and it's gonna, I, I think, you know, unless something greatly changes, it's that field that that realm is going to be dominated by mega corporations. Hmm. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with Ezra Johnson Greeno, who is the founder of the blog New School Beer. We're talking about the recent closures of seven breweries or tap rooms in the Portland area and what it says about where the craft brew industry in Portland, in Oregon, around the country is right now. We haven't actually talked about the pandemic yet, but how much of what we're talking about can be seen through the, the lens of a kind of pandemic hangover in terms of of labor and everything that followed um a significant amount of it can be blamed on the pandemic but i but i ultimately think the pandemic um just sped things along and made it hard um harder for craft breweries that were already going to be facing a lot of these challenges but certainly like pandemic and economic um increase in costs has has been a huge factor i think where people are not going out to breweries as much or or choosing that uh cheaper bang for your buck option that i mentioned earlier i mean just the, the cost of malt hops um packaging you know kegs has has skyrocketed um since the pandemic um not to mention just the the bars being closed so draft beer, you know, evaporated and then suddenly came back. Um, and those breweries all started putting their beer into cans and bottles during, um, you know, COVID lockdowns. Um, actually, we're losing a lot of money because the the margins on selling those packaged beers outside of their own places is is much slimmer. Um, and now the cost of, of draft, the draft beers came back, but the cost of it 
is up, you know, probably about two dollars on average per pint in Oregon. You know, going from an average around five dollars to seven to eight dollars these days, and brewers have spent the last few years eating a lot of that cost just just trying not to you know put the con- consumer into sticker shock and keep people coming in and but the 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 prices is keeps on going up they're still not making the margins even with the raised costs on the price of beer which is causing a lot of people to turn to other other places to get their beer or not beer <laughs> A couple of times now you've mentioned, including as a reason why um, a beer maker would would want to open their own brew pub, you mentioned um, that they they make less money when they don't sell the beer themselves. This gets us to distributors. Can you explain the the relationship and the the, the challenges of the relationships often between beer makers and distributors? Well, I mean, distributors are are an essential part of um, what they call a three-tier system, which separates the the, the brewer from the the retail establishment, the the store, or the bar. Um, they are the the, the middleman. Um, however, at least in, in Oregon, brewers do not have to go through a distributor. Um, but if you want to sell a lot of beer, if you want to get it into grocery stores, you often have to go through a distributor. There is no option, um, and you know it, it, it's often a great relationship. Um, distributors a lot of, do a lot of great work, but it doesn't benefit everyone, and especially when you're not selling a lot of beer, um, then the the percentage that they are taking can really hurt um, the brewery. I mean, and it's once you're signed, you you sign a contract with the distributor. Once you get into that relationship, it's like a marriage. It's very difficult to get out of. Hmm. Um, what about staffing? Has staffing been as big a deal in the brewing industry as it has in other sectors? Um, yes and no. I mean, it's it's definitely been a huge deal, but I but I do think um, breweries have been a little bit more resilient than say restaurants because um, the flexibility and needing less staff to to run a kitchen. You know, it's. A couple people can pour beer and run a POS system, you know, with the, especially with the advent of like the popularity of QR codes. Um, but yeah, a lot of breweries were working on, and st- some still working on very, very f- few staff um, to keep their that their profits, you know, up, which are, were already minimal. And sure, that turned off some people from from going out. Um, you mentioned um, having brews having their own kitchen and food service earlier, um, but it's increasingly become um, a negative to have have your own kitchen, have your own restaurant there because the cost that, those costs are so high, and the availability of ingredients and the availability of staff has become a, sometimes a burden on the breweries. So many of them have opted not to have food lease their kitchen space to someone else so they have to deal with the staffing or have food trucks and all that can be inconsistent as well Hmm. how much of what we're talking about um that that you've noticed just in the portland area is mirrored on the national scene um i'd say just about all of it is mirrored but it can be even more intense in oregon um for better and for worse because oregon you know is 
um, you know, arguably the number one place for craft beer in the country. Um, you know, in the last 10 years, a lot of other places have, have fought for that mantle, but there's, there's no doubt that this is one of the most mature craft beer industries. Um, the competition is, is, is fierce. The overall quality is great. Um, but everyone is facing these challenges in one form or another. A lot of the places that you mentioned that are closing are either selling their equipment or um, saying, hey, we've essentially got a turnkey operation. Show up and you you take over this business and you can brew your own beer and sell it here. Is there demand for that equipment and those spaces? Uh, Yes. Um, Not not as much as there was before the pandemic, but... But yes, and that really keeps me optimistic for this industry. Um, I know a number of, of these breweries that were even profiled in that article. Um, I know people that are companies that are likely taking over a number of them. Um, and, and in that way, it's it's similar to the, the restaurant industry. Um, you know, there's tons of closures all the time, but there's pretty much always someone there to take their place. I think when we're really going to start getting worried about the craft beer industry is when there is no one to take those spaces. I mean, that said, there are spaces and and breweries that have been sitting vacant for years too. So it's not like they're just, everyone's being immediately snapped up. In a city like Portland, and maybe Bend is the same, and, and other places in in Oregon, but places that have such established markets with so many options for good beer and so many beer drinkers who have you know who pay really close attention to what they're drinking, is it possible to get by as just a a small neighborhood brew pub that doesn't have some kind of hook? Um, it is possible. Um, if you are in the right neighborhood and you have the right space and you are smart in your business and your cost, I think it's actually, um, completely doable. Um, you know, where you are, what your, what your, uh, your rent is, is, is going to be a huge factor in that. And, you know, how, how much staff you have, how much, how much you're paying, you know, for your your ingredients and and making dollar over dollar but you know when you're getting breweries that are in you know downtown or some of the hipper you know inner east side spaces where those those costs are really high a lot of them do rely somewhat on the distribution selling outside and that's that's where people have just really found those numbers um dropping off or just being extremely variable where you know for a couple of years, they're they're the hot new thing, and then there's another new brand, another new brewery that kind of steps in. You know, there's only a limited amount of um, shelf space and tap handles um, to go around. Um, I think some of the smarter breweries have been the ones that are like, okay, we're not going to try to grow, we're not going to try to get bigger and bigger. We're just going to do what we do on a small scale and do it economically and uh make a living no one's getting these people aren't getting rich but you know hopefully they can make a living and stay in this industry that they love what advice would you give to a perspective a prospective brewer right now somebody who actually wants to get into the business um just be really smart about all aspects of the industry 
from that location to the quality of beer to what people are interested in, what they're drinking now. Um, you need to have some flexibility. You need to have a story. You need to have an identity. You need to have good branding. You have to have good marketing. I mean, basically, it, this has become a, a competitive business. And a decade ago, it wasn't that competitive. I mean, people were starting breweries with with only limited knowledge on you know how to how to homebrew. You know, people were coming in from all these other industries that got tired of their job as a attorney, tired of the job working at Intel, and were like, "Hey, I like home brewing. I'm gonna start a brewery." And they were finding success in it. Hmm. But those days are over. Say that again. Those days are over, where you could just um, <laughs> sort of muddle your yeah. way through and and succeed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're learning now. Hey, this is a business. This is not. This is not all all fun. Um, it's something that I've I've been in this industry for 15 years, and I always saw this coming. And I I sometimes it astounds me that more breweries didn't didn't like you know realize we're going to get to this saturation point, which is where we are at now. Um, so they they can succeed, but it's 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 much more difficult, and they need to know what they don't know. Um, too many of the people, they know one thing about the industry. Um, they don't know about the other aspects. They don't know, you know, what, what good design, what good marketing is. Um, you need to, you need to know what you don't know and how to, how to get good at those things. Ezra, thanks very much. Thank you, Dave. Ezra Johnson Greeno is the founder of the blog, New School Beer. He joined us to talk about the closure of some brew pubs in Oregon and the maturation of the Portland beer scene. Think Out Loud and all of OPB's reporting in our communities are made possible by the support of our members. Do your part to help make it happen. Become a sustaining member now at opb.org pod.